Alright, it's been a while, guys. Welcome back to Rosenballs. I am Aton Rosenberg. This is a solo pop. We're going to do a little NBA preview because it's been so long. Training camp starts on Monday, and I am walking my newborn, Charlie Noah, around my block. So I got some time. It's been a busy month for me. been a busy month for a lot of you. But let's get right to it. We're going to start with the Western Conference. So... Before we dive in, I kind of want to give a preface here. This is probably, and I don't think enough people talk about this, right? The conferences go through one clearly being better than the other for numerous amount of years, right? I feel like people have dogged the Eastern Conference for a long, long time, and rightfully so. No one could forget the late 90s early 2000s, the post-Jordan East was quite horrific. We'll just be frank about it. When you had the Nets going to the finals a bunch of times and just getting clobbered by the Lakers, and then in the West, you had the three best teams in the NBA in that span. Most likely, you had the Lakers, Kings, and Blazers. And then later, you had teams that could have made the finals that would have dominated the East, like the Suns, um, the Spurs every single year. So, you always had, uh, of the top, you know, 10 teams in the NBA, it always seemed like at least six to seven, maybe even eight certain years in that span, were in the Western Conference. And that might be, that's not an embellishment. That's, that's a crazy um, difference in conferences. Uh, now, before that, in the 90s, no one really talked about it because obviously the East had Jordan. But the West was deep. In the 90s, I think you in each year, it felt like you had one of four or five teams that were always those second-round teams, basically, that it was always kind of like a plinko ball of which one was going to come out, right, between Utah, um, you know, even those early Laker teams, Phoenix, Seattle, San Antonio, right, those five. You know, and Houston, right? If a thing, if if a shot breaks this way, a shot breaks that way. If there's a minor injury here or there, the who comes out of the West could have been different each year. But the East, it was always going to be consistent. It was always going to be Jordan, as long as it was there. And even though Indiana played them well, that was really just one year. They were really clearly above and beyond any other team in the East. And as much as the Knicks fans would would remiss to say this, and even Indiana fans. Those two teams were worse than the other teams I mentioned in the West for majority of the time in the 90s. Um, but now, I think you're starting to see it change a little bit. Is this the year that we could firmly say that the Eastern Conference is better than the West? It's a worthy question. And when you look at the Western Conference and you look at the top teams there, you start to begin to understand why this question occurs. So in the West, you have a ton of injuries going into the season, right? The top teams, if everyone's healthy, should be the L.A. teams. But we have to be skeptical for both. Why? Well, the Lakers, first off, are probably going to coast the season. You know, LeBron's getting older. Uh, They got Westbrook for a reason. I think they got Westbrook not only because, you know, they feel like he's a talent or, or what have you, It's going to allow LeBron to rest more during the regular season. Now, look, I think the Lakers are still going to try to finish with the top six seed. I think they learned their lesson last year. Getting a seven seed and relying on a play-in is quite risky. 
But if I'm the Lakers, and I think back to the last playoffs, I'm, I'm blaming the AD injury. I'm blaming the injuries that occurred in this series versus Phoenix, and I probably could have won that series. I, I can make that argument. Then if I'm healthy, I still win the West. So they're not going to focus so much on seeding, and they're, there's obviously no guarantee there. And the Clippers, obviously, we know Kawhi is not going to be available until maybe late. So, you know, there's not much incentive on, on seeding. And it's going to be a, a, the next problem of the NBA, right? The NBA kind of fixed already the taking problem to an extent. still not fixed. But with looser odds, it's not such an advantage. But I think they need to fix the regular season, the seeding problem. I do think the play-in helps, right? It ensures that those last weeks matter. And you want to avoid playing at the play that's good. But you got to give a bigger advantage to seeds one, two, three, four, five, six um, going into the playoffs. My, my personal opinion would be maybe it's the number of home games you get, right? So it's not like just, you know, you get four games and the other team gets three. There's, maybe there's a bigger advantage there. Um, but there needs to be something else. Just to kind of give value to those to those top seeds. I don't know, maybe you consider a buy for the top two seeds. Who knows? But you know, you have the football and it works quite well. Um, you definitely need something to make it make it better. Right. And that brings me to the top teams in the West. Right. So if you look at the top teams in the West regular season wise, it's not gonna be the LA teams, they're gonna be down. Right. I do feel Phoenix is going to have a a little bit of a sophomore slump. You know, they had a, a deep run, took a lot out of them. They played deep into the season. We saw what that did with the prior year with teams that played deep in and how they um, came back the following season. So I don't think Phoenix is one. I think Utah, the Utah Jazz have to have a chip on their shoulder, right? So they, they flirted last season. Uh, Conley was hurt. Uh, so coming back healthy, I think... You know, they, they have a target on the league. They need a, they have a chip on their shoulder. No one really ever gives you any credit. They're the Ronnie Dangerfield of the NBA. Um, few people, even though they have the best record, um, ever even consider Donovan Mitchell an MVP candidate. You know, people dog on Rudy Gobert. Is he even that critical? So they got a lot of disrespect, and I think they should have motivation to be the top seed. Utah's going to be my top seed. Then it gets a little murky. Right, so it's going to depend a lot on health. I'm going to say Denver is going to be the two seed. I'm not confident about that pick. I think there's a mix between two and two through five, quite frankly. Why I like Denver is you got to figure Michael Porter Jr. is going to take a step. They're going to figure out with the training camp and everything how Aaron Gordon fits in that lineup a little better. Remember, after the trade, they were hot with Gordon. They were, I think they were 10-0 after the deal before losing to the Celtics on a Sunday matinee game. And Jamal Murray should be coming back. Now, what I would say is I'm curious to see, this is pre-any Ben Simmons deal. I'm curious to see if Denver strikes on a Simmons deal. I, I think they should. I, I th- look, I think everybody should. I'm a huge Simmons fan. Um... The fit isn't great with him and Jokic. Quite frankly, Jokic can space a little bit, but so can it be that it's not going to be the best fit, I would say. Having, having said that, uh, your defense is going to be incredible. I mean, the length there is, is amazing. And you got to figure Murray's the guy you got to move in order to get Simmons. So 
assuming, you know, obviously other minor pieces need to be moved and, and all that. Um, you have to assume, let's say you did a flat Simmons for Murray swap. Let's say that was the swap, right? Um, that puts Denver in a really interesting position where now you're elevating Michael Porter Jr. in the role of score, which is what he wants. Maybe him and Jokic could develop some chemistry and, and play a little better in the playoffs, right? Um, Denver's issue in past years has also been the minor, I would say, people did, didn't retain that ended up becoming major, right? So letting Grant go to Detroit a few years back was a big deal. Letting Torrey Craig walk, a big deal. Um, P.J. Dozier, is he really the 3 and D guy that you want? There, I don't know. They need to improve in that slot, right? So the rest of the lineup looks fantastic. If you if you retain Murray, obviously. So if you have Murray, Porter Jr., Gordon, and, and Jokic, you need a really strong 3 and D guy. I mean, they would do really well with like a Danny Green. But again, um, missing those guys is a big deal. They didn't resign Millsap. Well, Barton needs to be healthy. He needs to come back. He needs to dominate their bench. They don't need him started. They need him dominating the bench. Again, Monty Morris is still solid, and, and the bench should still be good. So I'm still going to have Denver there, and I'm putting it basically on Michael Porter Jr., you know, hopefully taking a step. Let's see how Malone Malone's going to, you know, show his chops as a coach here on how he gets Michael Porter Jr. approved and buy in. Um, but, you know, if Porter Jr. doesn't, then I think they – it's kind of put up or shut up time. They, they would be better off moving him for still young pieces that make sense. I don't know the exact deal yet. Um, I'm sure there's ideas out there. What comes to mind right off the bat is maybe you get a deep pieces. You do a deal around Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks and a few other Memphis pieces. That's not great. You probably try to go for a superstar if Beal becomes available, obviously. Um, I don't think you need to move him for Simmons, but you know there's other options there, basically. Um, it could be interesting. So, but I still have Denver, too. I don't feel great about it, but again, it's going to be dependent on Porter Jr. It's really because I don't like any of the team, quite frankly. Um, three and four. I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns at three. So I do think they have the sophomore slump, but again, um, they're going to get a, a nice amount of organic improvement from a lot of their youth on their team. Bridges is getting better. Um, Booker's solidified in his role. you got to, at some point, suspect regression from Chris Paul. It hasn't happened to a strong degree, uh, but I would think they rest him a bit more, keep him more fresh for the playoffs. You're going to see a lot more campaign, which, you know, is fine. Um, <clears throat> but I think, you know, two through six might be pretty tight in the West. And, you know, a lot of flip-flopping can happen here, but again, Phoenix three, uh, just do organic improvement, being there before uh, wanted to making sure that they have a home court in the first round at the very least. Four seed. Again, I don't feel great about any of these selections, quite frankly. I'm going to go with the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I think Neil Lachey is not a great GM. I'll be upfront about that. Um, I don't think the Lillard-McCullum backcourt makes a lot of sense. Obviously, Lillard's the guy you keep. They... Haven't moved McCollum for years now. Again, people need to learn the lesson of Golden State. And that's, that's when they moved to Monte Ellis. They had Curry and Ellis. It wasn't really working. 
And, like, you don't always have to get, like, full value for full value. You just have to get fit sometimes. They dealt Ellis for Andrew Bogut. It opened up more for Curry. opened up more for other youth on the team um, to play a more free-flowing style. And it was better long-term for that team. Portland, I think, is the same route. McCollum's a fantastic player. And you're not going to get even value for him. But, like, he is a, a key player to move just to make more sense of the team, to get a little more defensive-minded, quite frankly. Obviously, Portland's been linked to Simmons like crazy. Unless you can get Simmons from McCollum, Portland's not, gonna, Portland's not getting him. Um, I do like the Larry Nance Jr. pickup a lot. Right? So, moving Derek Jones Jr. and getting Larry Nance Jr. is big. I think Nurkic's deal is going to end up being a bad one long-term. Um, that type of center is out of the, it's not really playing well in, in, in today's NBA. Um, Nance Jr. has improved his three-point game. Question is, is Portland going to play him at the five or the four, right? So looking right now at the roster, it, it does look like they're probably going to play a little bigger, which could be helpful for them, maybe a little better defensively. We are going to have Lillard and McCollum. Um, well, it depends, honestly. Do they go big or do they go small? Do they go Lillard and McCollum? They probably go Lillard and McCollum Powell. Covington and then Nance Jr. So you actually are smaller. You have Nurkic maybe dominate a second unit. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit skeptical. It's still all offense. There's two sides to a, a ball. There's offense and defense. Portland's not playing one side, which is the problem. Um, Covington's not enough to make up for it. They have one of the worst defensive one-two-three tandems in the league. I can't think of a worse starting one-two-three combined. That's not saying that Lillard's a bad defender. McCollum is so bad, or Powell's so bad, when you're playing them all together, it adds up uh, to, to defensive weakness. And the Covington at the four is not the best way to use him uh, in that lineup. But they're going to put up points to the board. They'll put up points. Portland is going to be four. Five. All right. I'm going to throw in a surprise team here. Um, my surprise pick out west is going to be, drumroll, the San Antonio Spurs. I think the Spurs are going to be the surprise team in the Western Conference, and the reason why is I think, yes, they got rid of DeRozan and Patty Mills, but they've been stockpiling a lot of these really strong, um, lengthy youth pieces uh, that's going to add up to some success for the team. So stockpiling guys like Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Derek White, um, Pirtle, Zach Collins now with a nice, solid pickup. Um, with Popovich now not having any divas. I really see the team having a strong regular season. They're deep. They're lengthy. Uh, they have a lot of guys who can now have some organic improvement. Um, but in general, putting up a lineup with, with Murray, Keldon Johnson in there, I just see you know a couple of guys elevating on that team and, and them starting getting into the mix. And also, the Popovich teams care about the regular season, which is a big deal. They'll play the, the entire regular season. They're not going to take a night off. Um, that's going to be my surprise pick out West. I, I, just, I think they just have a lot of ways to improve organically. Six, I'm going to say the Dallas Mavericks. Now, look, that's a disappointing finish for them. Understood. Um, it's not a good team. Let's just be honest. It's Luka and, and bad talent around him. Um, poor Zingas, I don't see... He has been aggressing now for a nice sample size, which isn't good. Um, I don't think you're going to get the Nick Porzingis. 
Uh, he still feels like he needs to, you know, kind of be number one guy. And the problem with, like, this is a, a deeper dive as well, but there's a certain issue with super high usage guys in that if you're anyone else on the team and you're not, like, a typical off-the-ball guy, you feel like you need more usage, you're going to be a little perturbed with that high usage guy, and you're not going to be able to showcase your skills. I always say this, right? It's like when you sign a pitcher in baseball, like Mike Messina, and you're like, you know what? You can't use your knuckle curve. You can only use your fastball or your changeup. And it's like, well, then I'm just as good as, like, Joe Kelly. Like, why did you pick me up? And that's the case with people that play around high usage guys because they can't use their full array of skills or their offensive talents because they're constantly playing off the ball alongside uh, a guy like Luca. This is the same case with Harden, same case with LeBron, right? You're not getting the full array of the off the ball of the talent around them because their usage is too high. Um, I think it's the case in Dallas. So they didn't really do anything. Now they added Drogic, who's a little injury prone, um, which is a, a decent pickup. But like, you know, unless KP needs to pick it up. Um, let's go through the let's go through the lineup, right? So let's say you're gonna roll with Drogic. Tim Hardway Jr., you know, who actually had an anomaly season and now got a massive contract. I don't know if that was the smartest move. Could those funds be allocated elsewhere? Uh, you have Luca now at the three, uh, and you'll probably roll with, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and KP. So you're asking a lot of DFS and Tim Hardaway Jr. in that lineup um, to repeat some of the, um, I would say, irregular successes they had last year. Then the bench is quite bad, right? So, you know, Trey Burke, Boban, uh, Jalen Brunson. I mean, these are guys that, the exception of Brunson maybe, like, might be out of the league if Dallas isn't, isn't employing them. So it's a lot of fringe rotation talent outside of Luka, not even, like, starting level talent, which is the issue. You're asking Luka to be an MVP for you to succeed, and also, my other question is, like, I don't know the ceilings of, of Luca's game, right? Like, his shot needs to get a little better, but like you're asking way too much of him. Even if he is the MVP, still not good enough of a team to uh, get better than six or five in the West. Let's talk about the LA teams. So, seven. I'll have the Lakers. I think, again, learning the lesson from last year. Now, they, they might fight for six. They obviously may, but... The more important thing for them is going to be rest for their uh, their top talent, and I think that's going to be a uh, a mantra for them, right? So I don't think you're going to see all of LeBron, AD, and Westbrook uh, healthy all the time, um, and as a result, you know they're going to make sure they coast, and they're not afraid of Utah, they're not afraid of Denver or Phoenix, right? So. They're, they'll happily play um, whoever they need to to get into the play. And if it's just one game, not a big deal. Um, and, then, and they'll play it. They'll, they'll go through. Um, eight, uh, I am going to pick Golden State. Um, Golden State, again, I think they're still going to try to fight a way to make the playoffs. They're not afraid of those top seeds. They feel like, okay, if Clay is healthy late enough with Curry... We could make a run. Now, look, Golden State could go the opposite way here as well. They could say, let's rest it, what have you. But they're more likely to 
uh, be motivated at the deadline to do some win-now moves, which might be good enough just to get to eight. Um, but, uh, you know, the good question is, what do you do if you're them, right? Um, I, I would be serious about the Simmons move. I, I get it. Like, him and Green is not the perfect fit. But um, he's a better version of Andre Godala, what he gave them in his prime. Um, and I think there's a three-way there with Toronto, maybe, with pieces going to Philly that could work. Now, obviously, there's concerns about his money and everything like that. Fine. But, again, I really think they, they, they owe it to Curry and Clay to, to make a run here. Otherwise, this is going to be like a depressing, you know, you know, Kobe Lakers situation where you're just watching at the end of his career, dwindling, you know, down on a on a team that that's going to make it out. Of, they can't make it out of the first round. They're going to have to do eventual rebuild later than you want. So Golden State shouldn't be so picky about what they're picking at the deadline, but they'll be motivated to make a deal again. Team is still talented enough. Curry's still talented enough on his own to make sure they get you know eight or nine seed, what have you. Nine seed Clippers. Um, you know, no Kawhi again. I think uh, a, a lot of injury concerns as well. Um, didn't really make a major move. They were linked to a lot of point guards, um, like Kemba, like Russell. Never pulled the trigger. Not saying they needed to. But again, they're going to be thinking the exact same way as the Lakers are going to state. We're like, let's just get in the play-in. And then see what happens. The problem is you're going to be playing Gold State and the Lakers in the play-in. Like, there's a good chance someone from the play-in, if, if they're healthy, could win the West. That's the craziest thing in this whole thing, right? There's, if you have Gold State, the Lakers, and the Clippers in the play-in, and they're all healthy going to the play-in, one of those teams could definitely win the West, which is crazy. But, again, I think the Clippers coast. Just try to get in and... And that's, and that's what happens. Ten, this is going to be controversial. So, you know, the question for me is going to be Memphis and New Orleans here, right? So um, I'm actually going to say New Orleans, but I don't feel great about it. I'll explain why. I think New Orleans really wants to make the play-in. Um, now, you could say, well, Aton, everyone wants to make the play-in. Not, not really. New Orleans really wants to do it because I think Griffin's going to get fired uh, if they don't. Um, there could be a lot of quick changes again, a lot of quick trade changes, etc. They're going to do everything they can at the deadline throughout the regular season um, to make sure this is not a lost year with Zion and, and all that. Um, speaking of which, like the track record for New Orleans in uh, retaining superstar talent, I mean, this this has got to be like there's got to be a thirty for thirty on this because obviously it starts with like Chris Paul eventually leaving, and then AD. And then, like, it's so obvious. Like, you can see it in advance. Like, Zion's going to go if this stuff continues. And it's not like... Can't blame the player. Like, this is... They've had some pretty bad management over the years. Um, whether it's foil draft picks. I think, to be fair, the Chris Paul Pelicans, or Hornets, whatever they were in New Orleans, um, they were... They peaked at the wrong time. It was, you know, they had a 52-win season, I believe, with Posey and, and West and Pages Stiakovich there, uh, Texas Chandler. But they peaked when the West was just out insanely incredible and everybody was winning 50 games, um, which is the problem. But now this is just like poor roster construction, right? So 
just you're forcing a lot of bad stuff, which doesn't make any sense. So like, if you have Zion, you want some spacing around him, you want high IQ guys, and one of the things you look at if you're New Orleans in general is you got to fix your defensive woes, right? One of the first things you have to answer too is like, is Ingram and Zion a, a, a complement to one another? Does that make sense? Um, you know, I go both ways on it. I, I I would be curious to shop Ingram. I think they need more two-way depth. Um, I don't have a deal in my head on the table, but um, I think, you know, if they had, you know, maybe you do a deal with Indiana for Brogdon and, and the pick and a few other pieces. I don't know. I would have considered retaining Lonzo Ball. Zion said he liked Ball. Why would you, why would you get rid of him? Um, so that's another big concern. If I was Zion, if I'm there, well, I, I told you I like this point guard. And they had somewhat of a chemistry. Um, you know, look, again, if I'm New Orleans, I would have put Zion at the five. I would have tried to get some... I probably would have kept ball. Um, and, look, I think it's okay that they move Adams um, with the pick uh, to get a wing, not a... Um, you know, not Jonas Valanciunas. It's just a bad fit. And the fits add up. Like, it's not good enough talent-wise. So their lineup will just go through it for a second. The names sound good, but, like, the fit is bad, right? So you're going to have Devontae Graham starting. I have an issue with that, right? So Graham was living off one solid half season, I would say, about two years ago, pre-pandemic. Uh, he shot for the first half of that year. He was in the mid-50s, true shooting percentage. He was averaging around 20. He looked good in Charlotte. He... he I believe had a game winner in MSG. This was like a couple years ago. Um, but like again, like point guards do that, you know, c- c- certainly backup point guards. Um, Devontae Graham kind of reminds me of Mo Williams in his prime a little bit. Um, I just that's not not what I want in my in my starter. I need someone who's gonna now. Granted, he could shoot, but his shot hasn't gotten better. It's, it's not fantastic. It's kind of overrated in my opinion from that first half year. Um, once he's playing with more depth on the roster. Um, so I have a concern with Graham right off the bat. They would have better off with even a Thomas Sadoransky just handling it and, again, feeding through Zion and, and working through Zion. So that's the that's one big concern. The other thing is the Ingram fit, as I mentioned. It's just too much offense, no defense. Um, so, you know, again, if I'm, if I'm – I know this sounds crazy. If I'm – uh, New Orleans, one of the moves I would have considered is probably Ingram to Portland for, like, McCollum and Covington. Um, something like that, right? And maybe I, I have to add pieces myself, I understand. Uh, but something like that, what that would have done is I'm getting spacing around Zion, I'm getting defense around Zion. And McCollum, to me, is a guy that could, like, you know, lead me with Zion um, at the end of games. You know, just as well as Ingram. So I'm getting a veteran that's been there. Um, again, if I moved the ball and got Sadoransky, I could live with that because I could have a backcourt like that. Yeah, the team's making more sense. Um, and then if I'm moving Adams in the pick, or maybe Adams is in that deal, who knows? But um, right now it's Valchunas, Zion Williamson, Ingram. It's a big front court, but it's 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 too concentrated in the paint. Um, who's your shooting guard? Josh Hart. I mean, that's not that's a backup. That's your starting. Uh, you have uh, you have Nah, you have Neil uh, uh, Walker, you have Neil Alexander Walker there, uh, Nick Wa- uh, Alexander Walker rather, um, who I like again backup wing, 
Um, Najee Marshall, backup wing. And, and Graham. Just, it's, the fit's not great. And they're going to make a desperate deal. They will. They'll make a desperate move uh, to make sure they make the play in. Could be Ingram. Ingram could be the guy on the move. Who knows? Um, the other idea out there is with Sacramento, with, with he and Fox. But yeah, New Orleans gets the 10. So speaking of which, so now, what about Memphis? Let's talk about Memphis for a second. So I actually don't have Memphis 11. I have Memphis 12, and I'll tell you why. I think, based on the Valchunas deal that they did, um, Memphis doesn't want to keep kind of rowing this boat of, of, of getting the 10th pick, 10 to 15 every single year. Um, they're not going to want to keep staying in that slot. Just not attractive enough for them, right? So, what Memphis um, is going to do, you know, is look. They they're going to have to try to lose a little bit here. Um, I think they end up moving Kyle Anderson to Dylan Brooks. I think they kind of um, let them go to a contender at the deadline. They get youth, and they double down on the draft. They'll double down on Bain, on Grayson Allen, some of their youth pieces, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark perhaps, Xavier Tillman. Um, but they're going to need to get another lottery pick, and I think they'll, they'll try to do that. I don't think they want to make another play in. They need to double down. They need to get more youth. Um, you don't want to heed the lesson of Dallas, who got that too too early, um, which is the issue. Um, so I think Memphis is actually at 12 because of that reason. They're going to try to lose. Sacramento's going to try to win. They're not going to win enough. Sacramento's at 11. Sacramento's another team. Again, like you don't want to be in this NBA mediocre treadmill state, which they're kind of in. Um, I don't think... Like, you got to be quick with who you're going to move, right? So, if you think the future is Halliburton, which it might be, but you want to figure it out, you got to move Fox before his value is going to decrease. Like, Fox's value is good now. You could get good value for Fox. This is the issue with these teams. Like, New Orleans needs to consider moving Ingram. you gotta be, you got to be aggressive with it. You can't play the full season. We know what's going to happen. Okay, we had enough sample size that it doesn't work. Fox, same thing. Fox's issue is similar to Luka, but he's obviously not as good, so you're not going to trade Luka, of course. But Fox... Crazy high usage. Everyone's kind of ball watching. And it doesn't work. And you have another point guard that, I'm not saying he's better, but like it makes more sense for the team long term. Experiment more things with him in Halburn. And you just drafted a point guard, Zevian Mitchell. So, uh, they, they, they should move Fox. Double down on youth. Double down on picks. Tank a little bit. And, and then see what the draft yields. That's what I do if I'm Sacramento. And then the, the bottom three teams, you know, pick your order. But Minnesota's a train wreck. They should have moved Carl Anthony Towns years ago. He doesn't fit. Now they have a bunch of bad contracts with Russell as well. That's going to be a team that probably makes a desperate move for Simmons. Um, but I don't think they they don't want to move Anthony Edwards, obviously. So I don't think there's anything there. Uh, so Minnesota's 13. I'm going to say Houston's 14. They just still have enough talent there with Green and Seguin in the draft to be decent enough. Um, they're going to obviously play the youth. They don't care about winning. But you know who doesn't care about winning? 15 OKC. And OKC is going to look to trade shy as well. I think this is going to be an interesting deadline season where you're going to see two kind of phases. You're going to see teams that just want to lose if this makes sense. So you're going to see the shy Bill Chris Alexanders of the world on the market. 
you're going to see teams that are desperate, need to make a move. Darren Fox, Randy Ingram could go on the market. And then who knows? Maybe teams need to make a run. Michael Porter Jr., CJ McCollum could be on the market. So a lot of interesting stories out west. Um, I What I just hope to see, and I'll end, I'll end with this, we'll do the east another time because this, this is taking a while and i got to bring my child in for, for feeding. Um, I'll end with this. With the west, these consider, as I'm like, I don't care about the middle teams, looking at you, Utah, Phoenix, and Denver, particularly Utah, this could be your year. You don't have that many shots. So I'm hoping they take a, a big risk at the deadline um, or, you know, just, just doing a major move if they can uh, to really improve the team and, and, and make a legit run at the title. I want to see it. I think they could do it. Uh, that's what I hope. If Utah doesn't do anything or Denver does, Denver's got a shot maybe at Beal or whatever it is, um, the fan base should be disappointed. All right, fellas. Until next time.